listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Hey, Matt. I, I can only talk once the guitar part is done. <laughs> hey, Adam. What's going on? It always feels like a NPR segment. It's like, hey, Matt. Hey, but, uh, but no, seriously, I'm really glad to be here today because this is like the punchline to Job. Uh, yeah. Job has flown by this time for me. I've really enjoyed it. Same. <laughs> last, I mean, last year, I remember just trying to power through and going like, holy cow, they're saying the same thing over right. and over again. But yeah. this year, the nuances and, I don't know, like it just really flew by. Yeah, I just see the, the demand I put on the Bible to just give me what I need and fix the problem. Mm. I could see myself in our three friends... Um, you know, Bill Dad and the boys. Yeah. And I could see how that, like, it was just good. And, and uh, I feel like Job was honestly interacting, and, um, and it's been helpful. But this, by far, is the best. These chapters are blowing my mind. Uh, chapter 38 through 42, we're doing day 37 and 38. Awesome. And uh, God shows up. Yes. Chapter 38, and so, through the end. So we have, in our previous episode, we had... Elihu, building up, speaking for God, mm-hmm. and he kind of builds up this scene of comparing God to a storm, or how God controls <laughs> a storm, Right. and then in chapter 38, we get, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Whirlwind, man. So, well, if you remember Elijah, he shows up in a whirlwind, he shows up in fire, yeah, and, and, then, like, and then he, it's a small, still voice. So many think the illusion there is... Moses is fire on the, the Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. and then Job is the, the whirlwind. whirlwind. And so God shows up in a whirlwind, which is also funny because they were calling Job, um, he's full of hot air. Right. And then Job had even said in a previous chapter that if the Lord showed up to me as a tempest, he would crush me. Right. And so now the Lord is actually showing up to him as a storm, as the storm that Elihu just described, the Lord appears and speaks to God or speaks to Job from the storm, and he, and it's great. He darkened. He's like, who, who is that that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Mm-hmm. Dressed for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. And so this God <laughs> shows up, and he's like, all right, Job, um, here's here's the conversation, and it's one of the, the thing that I think is so beautiful is God goes into creation. This is the creation narrative as right. told by God, right? And he says, where were you when I laid foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Like he's talking about the equator. Mm-hmm. He's talking about like all of its order, its, its axis being tilted. He goes, or were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? And then he goes like, where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? I like that verse. That's verse 7 of chapter mm-hmm. 20, uh, 38. Because God is saying, the angels rejoiced at creation. The angels rejoiced at Jesus' birth, at incarnation. And we hear the angels in Revelation singing again. That the angels are always singing at new creation. At the works of God. At the works of God. The word of God creating. The angels are there celebrating. And I just love th- that perspective of creation. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like... The angels were celebrating this masterpiece of God as he made it. And were you there, Job? (laughs) Uh, He goes, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? 
When I made clouds, it's garment, and thick darkness, it's swaddling band. I mean, come on. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And he goes on from God's perspective to talk about how every bit of creation bears the brilliance and the beauty and the complexity. Oh, man, I thought you were going to keep going with the bees. I know. I, I, I already got a lot of shuns today. But, um, yeah, it, it, I just thought it was a wonderful chapter. I, I actually had the thought, like, that might be one to memorize. It's poetry. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it, amazing. It's praising God. And God is gracious. He's being gracious here. Now, he does come at Job and say, were you there? But he could have done a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> he could have shut him up. Yeah, so he, he challenges them. He, he goes through all aspects of creation, through, like, up to the stars, all the way to, uh, like, an ostrich. Well, and even we were just in... Um, well, we were just in Nevada. Nevada and by the Grand Canyon and all this beautiful desert place. And it's like, who has cleft a channel for the torrents of the rain? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, so the idea is I created all these Mountains. canyons and, and, you know, I did all this. Yeah. Were you there? Uh, I don't remember, Lord. I yeah. think there's even a moment where he says, tell me, since you've lived so long, your days are so long that you know. Like, yeah. I think Joe, like, Lord gets like, sarcastic with them, yeah. which is kind of always cool to see. Well, it's a real relationship. Yeah. And he gets a little sarcastic, like, Job, I know you, I'm tired of your complaining. Uh, I know you're a good boy. Mm-hmm. You're my boy, but I got to shut you up. Yeah. So then he goes through, like, wild animals. and Well, it's like my kids when they want to keep turning down the air conditioning in the summer. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, do you pay the bill? Are you there when we pay the bill, child? Leave the air where we set it. Okay. There's, like, <laughs> there's like sarcasm. But it's like loving, like that's how I see it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, you're talking about goats. No, yeah. So he like even goes through like the wild animals and like, can anyone control these things? Can you control these things? Like, do you even understand how they're made or why they work or why they do the things they do? No. And then I love in uh, chapter forty, verse two. Yeah, that's the one I was going to do. Says, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? Yeah, he says, uh, my version says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? Oh, yeah, that's so much better. He who argues with God, let him answer it. Yeah. Which, that's our whole culture now. We're fault finders. Mm. But not just with God. I mean, we've been fault finding with God forever, right? We have all these reasons to be mad at him. But we fault find with everybody in our culture. Like, we find the fault, and now their career is over. And God says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? Oh, so good. But Job... Who he had said this He's, early on. Yes. He he is consistent at least. Like this is what saves Job is his consistency. So he his humility. His humility. He had said, if the Lord would speak to me and explain to me right. what's going on, or just speak to me, I will remain silent. And he does. And he does that. He says, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand, which is like again, like when you're shocked or when you know you shouldn't have said something that you should like you cover your mouth. You're like <gasps> Yeah, so he's like, I've said too much already. I know I have nothing more to say. And he's silent before God. He says, I've spoken once and I will not answer twice. Right, so good. So I get it this time. And then the Lord <laughs> challenges Job. He says, dress for action like a man. I will question you. And he asks some more questions. Uh, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Oh, man. So he's challenging Job saying, now, are you judging me? No. You can't. Right. And it goes on some more uh, creation things, which is beautiful. I, I highly recommend reading this just to get a different perspective on 
how God rules. Yeah. And even the thoughtfulness of creation, it's amazing. It's over, it's beyond amazing. But he gets to, um, in, verse, in chapter 40 and 41, there's two interesting things that, that God brings up, and it's the behemoth and the Leviathan. Right. Now, we, I used to, when I was a kid, I remember <clears throat> I heard somebody say, oh, the Leviathan is proof of a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. See, we believe in dinosaurs. But when you read it as an adult, and not just trying to, uh, and the reason, I don't want to make fun of anybody for having that, that, that could be true, but the reason we even answer questions like that is because we're trying to talk to unbelievers, right, and, and we're trying to justify their view on science, and this book, Job, has nothing to do with trying to prove creation mm-mm. or evolution, and so to answer those questions here is a little bit inappropriate, that's why I kind of make fun of it. And it's also... Again, this is poetry. Yes. And the, and we're going off of theme and thematics and, like, comparing and contrasting things. Yes. And so we have the behemoth and the leviathan, which were mythological uh, creatures of chaos and destruction. Yes. One is of land and the other is of sea. And God's going, like, were you there when they were made? When were you, can Are you defiant like they are? Right. Do you re- align with them? Can you control them? Can you uh, capture them or understand them? Right. And, and that's, in our opinion, that's the best way to read this. Now, could these have been real animals? Sure. There's animals that represent the um, defiance and the anger. And the, at one point, the Leviathan is explained or um, described as having a heart of stone. Right. And just being, having enmity <clears throat> and destruction. And this is... And, and God says, you can't control this with a hook. You can't, it's not like a fish or a horse that you can control mm-hmm. by a bridle. These are the powers of evil that roam the earth. Right. And our, I think our understanding as we've been reading this is, this is God letting Job see a little bit of what's been going on behind the scenes. Yes. <clears throat> this is describing Satan and mm-hmm. the evil force at work that's been behind the scenes of Job's life and saying like, Job, you cannot contend with these things, but this whole time, your whole thing, I've been contending with the Leviathan and the behemoth yes. on your behalf. He totally answers the question that Job has had, which is, why? And God, in, in chapter 40 and 41, says, it's the behemoth and the Leviathan that would have crushed you without me. Mm-hmm. Like, I have held them back. I played with them, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to prove a point to you, Job, that I control all things seen and unseen, all forces of good and evil. And uh, are you part of the king of defiance or are you part of the king of creation? And Job, of course, bows to the God of creation and not defiance. But he got a little close to defiance by questioning, but God knows Job's heart. Job passes the test. He never curses God. See, that's the whole point of this book, is that Satan's trying to get people, or he got permission to see if he could caused Job to uh, doubt God, to curse God, defy yeah. God. Yeah. And it did not work. Did not work. And um, the reason it was God even allowed it is because God can control the behemoth. So this gives us not only an account of creation, but an account of all creation that God is not contending with Satan like, oh no, he's pretty strong. It's that God is withholding, he's, he's corralling Satan, mm-hmm. and he's uh, allowing things to happen or not happen, and um, and what we do is we respond to the goodness of God. Right. That even in the darkest times of your suffering, this is why. So this is the advice at the end of this book. There's so many great things, but it's like 
you're going through a tough time, account, count all your blessings. Yeah. Like, look at where God has showed up, and then ask him to show up in this, the dark place. Yeah. And then wait. And then you wait for him. And you have a hope that one day it's going to be over. But for right now, you walk with him through it. You learn what you need to learn. Sometimes you speak, and sometimes you shut up. Mm-hmm. And so we have Job's response in yes. 42. I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. He says, I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Yeah, Job's, it's the shortest little speech by Job, and it's perfect. Yeah. It's like, I thought I knew, and this is how life is. You get a little older, and you're like, oh, I thought I knew, and I didn't. I didn't. I'm I wanted sorry. to judge myself. I wanted to judge others, but I had no idea what that person was going through. Mm-hmm. I will shut up now because now I have seen God work mercifully with me. I now have a shot at being merciful to others. And so the end of this book, though, is tremendous because Job becomes the priest to his friends. I know. Everything is restored, but the first thing, before anything's restored, God says, uh, my anger burns against Eliphaz and against uh, Bildad and against Zophar. Like it burns, and unless Job, Job is going to ask for forgiveness for you guys, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Like if Job is mad at them like he should be, right. he'd be like, I don't want them to be forgiven, God. And God leaves it to Job. Right. <laughs> He's like, Job, it's up to you. Do you want to uh, pray? If you pray for these guys to be forgiven, they'll be forgiven. They'll be forgiven. I mean, they had to bring... Um, Take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. So if they wanted forgiveness, this is God saying to them, they have to take seven of these things and go get an offering. Go take it to Job and ask Job to pray for them, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. So look, God is like setting up the mediator that Jesus is. Right. And so that's why it's so important that Jesus is loving and kind and not violent and not all these things because we're going to have to ask him to pray for us. (laughs) And these guys had to go to Job with all these animals and go, hey, and like Job could be like, what are you doing? Well, we want to offer up a sacrifice and we need you to ask God for forgiveness. Well, are you sorry? Yeah, we're sorry, Job. Okay. Okay. Job did it, by the way. Yeah. Job is a righteous man. He prayed for forgiveness, so he forgave those who trespassed against him. I know. He was prayer. He was forgiven. Oh, man. Job was forgiven. And then he forgave those who trespassed against him. And then the Lord restores Job's fortunes. Like everything is double. I mean, abundant. The only thing that's not double are his kids. So like he got back. Right. So like he had seven kids. He didn't get 14 kids back. Whereas like if he had seven rams, he got Mm -hmm. 14 rams. So he gets seven kids back. And that's because uh, people are forever. Right. And he he was a priest over his family. Those kids are with God. His so, previous kids, yeah. So his, his first previous seven. kids were with God. And so God didn't need to give him 14. He gave him seven more. So he doubled them. Yeah. And so just half of them were in heaven. And then he blessed them so much that it records that he gives an inheritance to the daughters. Oh, man. The first book in the Bible has daughters getting the inheritance in cultures that did not respect women, that didn't use them as witnesses, that didn't list any inheritance going to them. 
No. And they are the only three that are named. The only three of his children yeah. that are named are the three daughters. And the names are, like, beautiful, too. Like, one's named Cinnamon. Right. Uh, another one's, like, Eyeshadow. Yeah, like, Beauty, like, Eyeshadow. Yeah, it's, it's, so they're highly valued, and it's saying, look, Job was so blessed, it overflowed everywhere. Yeah, I, it's great. Job, Job is amazing. He lived 140 years, which is after the flood. You know, more than 70 is pretty great. 140 so, years after his... Oh, and after this, Job lived another 140 years. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so he was like, what, 280? I don't know. I have to go back and do the math. If you know, that's cool. Uh, I think it was like 280 or something like that. But yeah, he lived for a really long time, especially during Four that era. Four generations. He like, that's longer than Abraham lived. Yeah. Job died an old man and full of days. So All right. good. Old Testament. So, Job surprised us. That was awesome. Woo! Well, that took longer than we expected because we got a ton to cover in the New Testament. All right. I mean... Play gee, me that New Testament his, song. That New Testament jam. Our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, through chapter 25, verse 46. All right, Matthew 24. We're talking about the fig tree again, Matt. Yeah, so... What's the deal with the fig tree? In the last episode, he was answering the question of uh, when is the temple going to be destroyed? Mm. And so he's painting that picture, and then he goes, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know... His return is very near, right at the door. So, again, he's kind of saying, like, look, you can read the signs of nature. Yeah. So when you see the signs that he had just previously talked about, like the temple being destroyed, you know that my kingdom is at hand. So I think, again, it gets kind of convoluted because we always want to just jump to, like, the end of the world. Mm, Yes. But he's also answering the question of when is your kingdom going to be established? And his kingdom is being established right now. Right. After his resurrection, his kingdom is being established. And he's like, look at the buds. Uh, so now mm-hmm. the opposite of the fig tree is cursed, and it dries up and produces no fruit, so mm-hmm. you should just chop it down. But we are the fig tree that's producing little blossoms, and you start to see it happening, and you mm-hmm. see it in us and through us. And Yes. And, um, and then that's when he drops the, uh, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. And again, he's saying like, Look, the temple's going to be destroyed. I'm going to die and rise again. My kingdom's going to be established soon, before this generation goes. He says, yeah, I don't know the time or the hour, but, and then he compares, he compares his return to the days of Noah. Yeah, so then he also then speaks, so he's talking about the beginning of the church age. Yes. And then the close of the church age, when he um, actually comes back in physical divinity yeah in full divinity like fully clothed in his divine nature yeah and so what happens here in in chapter 24 36 kind of moving on through the end and even into into 25 chapter 25 is this apparently is very important to jesus it is about when the master returns to the house what are the servants doing right it matters i don't know if you've ever come home and the kids were supposed to have done chores. I know you don't have kids, so, Thanks. or you've you've come home and you've seen, um, you've come home and you've were expecting something to be there or have happened, right? And it's not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jesus starts talking about 
the reality of that, where if a master comes back and you are, he, he uses the idea, the master uh, is delayed and the servants begins to beat their fellow servants, eat, drink, and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces, put, uh, put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus just dropped a, uh, a hard cut you into pieces line. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's... I, I think it's what he's saying is kind of important. Uh, yeah. What is, is he that saying? He's saying in, a normal, in any normal circumstance, if I show up to my house and there's people in it who are abusing it mm-hmm. and breaking it, mm-hmm. squatting in it, mm-hmm. doing whatever, partying. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, hey, guys, could you please go? I'm calling the cops. I'm doing the full extent of the law, yes. which apparently in those days, the master had full extent to execute people who were trespassing and destroying and beating up and stealing. That's, that's all yeah. it means. So he's saying, look, it, um, Jesus is saying, be ready. Right. Be ready. Like, Here's how you be ready. Chapter 25. The parable of the ten virgins, and he'll have the parable of the talents. Okay. Long story short, I like the talents better than the virgins, um, so I'll give you a short virgin one and a long talent. Um, I know, it's weird. But uh, basically, there's ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, uh, and virgins just means ladies. You know, it's not like... Yeah, so it's like bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. And they're waiting, and they all have lamps with oil. Five of them prepared and brought a bunch of extra oil. Five of them didn't. Right. So, of course, he comes back in the middle of the night. People would come back from these parties at whatever time. Everyone's asleep. People wake up. The, people, the, the, the girls with the extra oil were able to keep their lamps lamp lit. lit. Yeah. And the other one said, can you give us some oil? And they said, no, this is all we have. So they had to go away and get more oil. While they were away getting more oil, they missed the bridegroom and were locked out of the compound. And so at the end of it, Jesus says, um, So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Right. So be ready. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill up with oil. Like, prepare. Think about it. Make it a part of your life that's important. Don't just assume that the gospel is easy and that it's like, oh, like, be ready. Like, care a little bit about Jesus. So, like, as I think about this, we want everything to be one and done. Yes. And so, like, I prayed the prayer. I did the thing. um, I'm good. I don't have to think about it anymore. Wrong. And this is very much of a wrong deal. Like, everything that we read, everything we do is a daily basis. It's on a daily, day-to-day thing and same with salvation is it's a constant like prayer and like being fed like we have to right show up but that's why you must understand the gospel the gospel is a free gift so like it is not hard to show up every day and receive a warm meal right for free right if i had an all-star chef and he said just show up to your kitchen and i will feed you all we need to do is show up Mm -hmm. and go "I, i i'm here lord it's not you have to do all these things, but when we refuse to show up and call upon the name of the Lord anywhere, in our car, in the bathroom, on the shower, like on the freeway, jogging, what you could call on him anywhere. He's made it very easy. Yeah, we, so we, it's, we will miss out. So it's not like um, a work where mm-hmm. we have to, oh, always, but you need to be cognizant, like this is real. Jesus is coming back. 
get to know him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that easy. Like if someone, you know, if, if we grew up with somebody who now is famous and we're like, hey, man, remember me? But then, yeah, he remembers you. You were kind of a bully to him. You're a little bit older and you never were nice to him. So why is he going to let you be part of the party, party train now? I, so like thinking about this, the analogy that kind of comes to my mind is we've had a lot of dealings with homeless people. Yes. And a lot of the, like, the very basic steps is to just show up at one of the shelters right. or one of these places that has the ability to like, take care of them and like, just do like, very simple steps that we kind of take for granted. Yeah. And the real sickness and the thing that they miss out on is they refuse to do that. They refuse to do the basic thing of like, I'm going to go show up to the shelter and right. do the steps required of me. And I think this is the very similar thing that God's like, I have this thing for you. I have the right. Lord's Supper. I have baptism. I have confession and absolution ready for you. All, all that's required of you is to show right. up and, and do it. And here's the gospel. You and I simply say, God, I failed to show up. I'm worse than the homeless person. Will you forgive me? And he's like, I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> but you got to recognize so if you're feeling bad right now, like, I'm not always ready. I'm not always thinking about God. Good. Feel bad. And then say, God, I'm, I don't do enough to be saved. And God's like, and God will say to you, well done. Now you get it. Right. <laughs> and now you're safe in that realization and you're safe in the crying out to Jesus for that. Yeah. So we got to move on. Uh, the parable of the talents. So that's the parable of the virgins. And uh, watch, therefore... For you know neither the day nor the hour. And these are the words of your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So it's good to deal with them. The parable of the talents is a wonderful parable. Long mm-hmm. story short, he gives, is it th- four people? One, one. That's three. Three. One. Five. Two and five. Yeah. Talents, yeah. right? Yes, 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 yes. So one guy gets five talents, one guy gets two, one guy gets one. Yeah, and talent is just like a, a year's worth of... It was a year or 20? I don't know. It's a large sum of money. Yeah. We could look that up. But uh, they get money, and the master, again, it's a master-servant relationship. I give you money to invest, five talents, and the going thought is you should be able to double it right. in a year by just investing. If you just put it in the bank, it's, you should be able to get some interest. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, the guy with five, he invests it. The master shows up. He gives five. Mm-hmm. He says, here's 10. Right. Great. The master's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, he doesn't even keep, like normally you would keep, um, you would be able to keep some. Right. Like as like your little interest, like for working the money, but he doesn't. He gives it all over. And so does the next one. The next one does it with two, same situation. The guy with one says, oh, I knew you're a hard and cruel master. <laughs> so I hid Basically, I held on to the one just to give it back to you. Yeah, I buried it. And, you know, in the way you're describing it, too, I buried it. Part of that is, like, uh, I don't want any of your money. So I don't want what I could get for this. I'm just going to give it back to you and not really have a part of you. Right. And so when the master says... I don't want to work for you. Yeah. When the master shows up, he says to him... um, well, to the other guy, he says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then he gets to the guy with the one. Mm-hmm. What verse is that? Uh, that is 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather what I scattered no seed. 
Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So, so Jesus says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be gnashing and weeping, gnashing of teeth and weeping. Now, you might wonder why Jesus is so harsh, but I still believe this is the end of his week before crucifixion, and he's still in Jerusalem town talking most predominantly to Pharisees and scribes. Right. So he is going heavy on the gnashing of teeth and the weeping and the hell because these guys are burying their talents. Yeah. He gave them everything. Yeah. And they are refusing to use it. They don't want to use it. They don't want to even give him interest. Yeah. They don't want it. They don't want him. They don't want anything to do with him or the father. So that's to the scribes. To me, I was comforted reading this this week because um, I think about, I have friends and it feels like in ministry, yeah. some guys are just really blessed. Mm-hmm. And when I look at their lives and their ministry, I re- I've come to realize, you know what? God gave them five talents. Yeah. And they're investing it in the ministry and they're reaping that. Yeah. He gave some of us two and he gave some of us one. And it was just comforting to know, you know what, we're, we're reaping, we're, we're trying to, or we're sowing into uh, the ministry. We're trying to use, like, this is what God's called you and me to do, so yeah. we're trying to do it. So we're going to do it. We don't know how successful we are, we don't know how it's going to work, but we're at least going to try to use the gifts and the callings that God has given us. And I think if you're not in ministry, it's the same thing. The brains that you have, the bodies that you have, the, the minds and the desires, use those to the best of your ability and unto the Lord. Yeah. And you can trust him. And um, because if you don't, when you don't, he takes away. He's like, well, if you don't want anything to do with me, then you have nothing to do with me. Yeah. Anyway, I was comforted by um, thinking about each of my kids and how I can't expect one of my children to be like the other. And I don't want them to be. I love them. But being able to see ourselves like that from God's perspective and going, you know, I don't need every pastor to be a mega church pastor. But yeah. that's success. No, your, your success is investing what I've given you. Yeah. And receiving what I've given you. Are you constantly complaining? Do you want more? Well, be faithful over the little I've given you, and maybe I can give you some more. But until then, just relax. Use what you got. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Yeah. We got one more big story here, the final judgment. And this is, is this the, this isn't goats and sheep. Yeah, no, it is. Oh, wow. This is goats and sheep. Okay. Yeah, so this is like the culmination of what he's been like building up to. Like he keeps using parables and stories of how to like, like when Jesus finally returns, this is what's it, what it's going to look like. And finally it just gets down to, look, I'm going to come back like a shepherd and I'm going to separate the flocks. And there's going to be goats and there's sheep, and I'm just going to part them, and we're going to see where everyone stands. It's wheat and it's tear mm-hmm. and tares, and I, uh, I know. And so here's the difference. It's yes. so amazing. Yes. He says, he says to the um, sheep, "You clothed me." So basically, you guys are sheep. Why? Because you gave me a drink of water when I was thirsty. Mm-hmm. You visited me in jail. You know, you clothed me when I was naked. You did all these great things. And the, the sheep answer, this is how I answer and you mm-hmm. answer, like, oh, because see, if you're a sheep right now, you're going, oh, no, 
I don't know if I've done enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've actually, I actually haven't helped that many people. <laughs> and so we say, when did I actually help you, Lord? And the Lord will say to you and me, when you help the least of these, you did it as unto me. When you help someone at church, you helped me. Because see, they're my children. They're, my, they're me. Mm-hmm. I know how it is. Someone loves on my children. I love that person. When you love on my children in the church, and I mean children of God who are born again with the spirit mm-hmm. of God on them, these are my sheep. When you cared for the least of the sheep in the fold, you cared for me. And we're like, whoa, yeah. praise God, because I don't know if I ever helped you, but I did make a meal for someone who just had a baby. Right. Or I did show up and listen, you know. Oh, but to the, sh- the goats, he says, I'll let you do the goats so people associate you with evil. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so then, so then he says uh, to the goats, um, I tell you the truth. Um, hold on. Oh, he says, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger and not help you? Right. So they're, they're assuming they did. So they're on the other side of the equation going like, what? No, no, we helped you. What? Which Come is on. so great because have you ever heard people say, I don't need forgiveness. I haven't done anything wrong. Yes. And so it is that mentality of like, what? If I saw you, I would have helped you. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, actually, you crucified me and anyone who looked like me. Yeah. Actually, you hurt the people. Right. That looked like me. But the perspective is so different. So yes. for us, we're like, oh, no, I don't know if I did I it. didn't do enough. I'm sorry, Lord. It's the, what is it, the sorrowful sinner? It's the uh, repentant sinner and the... Um, secure sinner. Secure sinner. And you see, sec- the goats are secure sinners. They have the nerve to say, wait, I would have helped you if I saw you, Jesus. I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Check your books again. I, if I saw you, I always give money. I always help out. <laughs> I Jesus, love that voice. I know. That's my, new, that's my new secure sinner voice. So if you sound like that, change your voice. Um, and so he says, yeah, you, you never did. And it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. For the least of these. You never did it for the least of these. Yeah. In the, and in the kingdom of God, um, you did not do it to me. But see, they're not around. The goats, they don't, they're not helping out church people. Yeah. They're condemning us. They're the ones saying that we're sexist and we're... Uh, violent, and we're the problem with the world. All right. Well, we are the children of God, and so guess what? If anyone said that about my kids and blamed them for everything and tried to destroy their reputations and call them stupid and tell them they're wrong, I don't like those people. And either, and God doesn't like the people who do it to his kids either. And in fact, they are goats. Goats. So right. that's the end of that section, though. Pretty harsh because the Pharisees are leading people away from the person of Christ and to their own selves yeah. to do the law. I mean, it is interesting. Like, that's what it boils down to is they, they have all the God, like the whole law is to point to Christ, is to point right. to a Messiah. And so they're supposed to be pointing people to the Messiah, but instead they're trying to obey the law. Yeah, and they're not even really they're trying. trying they're, they're trying to make themselves the Messiahs right. by being like, well, if we fulfill the law, we're fine. It's the same thing. It's not too far from any of us. That's why it, Jesus, it gets confusing sometimes because Jesus will say, you need to fulfill the law as the Pharisees do. Right. Um, and the confusion is, the difference for us is we recognize, wow. When we see the law, we go, wow, I have not loved everybody 
with all my heart and soul and mind. I haven't loved the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. And I'm doing a podcast on the Bible, but I can't lie. I can't say, oh, my whole life has been nothing but worship to God. And so we're the people who say, God, have mercy on me. I'm sorry. I want to do better. And he hears us. The Pharisees will drive you to take confidence in yourself, which Jesus says will lead to hell. Mm. Well, that was an action-packed. New uh, Testament. After, after the, yeah. After this, it's going to be uh, a more aggressive plan to the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. So now we are going into our psalm. Psalm 18, verse 37 through 50. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord today, folks. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>